when you've got over 20 years of corporate experience, how can you relate that and use that knowledge and experience to build a successful real estate investing business? And then how do you impart that knowledge and experience to others who are looking to get into real estate investing for the first time? This week's podcast guest for the REI Branded Show is Rick Harris, and he's going to share with you what he's learned from building his real estate investing business and also putting together a book and a program to help brand new real estate investors get started the right way. Be sure to listen to the full episode. You're listening to the REI Branded Podcast. It's for you, the busy real estate investor who wants to stand out from the crowd and attract the right leads, right partners, and right clients every time. My name's Paul Copcut, and each week we'll be looking to decode and uncover what makes a real estate investor brandtastic and how you can apply it to your real estate investing business. Each episode is intended to be valuable, cut to the chase, and actionable so you can begin to implement quickly and easily to get the results you want in your business. Thank you for listening. Now let's get to work on making you brandtastic. Okay, so welcome to uh, this week's episode of REI Branded Podcast. And I am really happy to be introducing you to Canadian investor, Rick Harris. He's an investment real estate author, coach, and consultant who helps investment real estate investors to boost their real estate purchasing and renting ability. Uh, Rick holds a Bachelor of Education in Business Management from the University of Alberta. He is a real estate investment advisor, REIA designation, and numerous coaching and training certifications. And following his mantra of prosperity for all aspects of your life forever, Rick has recently published his first book, 31 Days to Purchasing and Renting Your First Investment Real Estate Property, in which he demystifies the real estate purchasing process and expertly guides readers through their steps to starting their own investment real estate business. And I had the opportunity to get a, an advanced copy of Rick's book, which I have been enjoying going through and learning some things along the way. Um, so welcome, Rick. Well, thanks, Paula. It's great to be on your show. Really is. Good. Uh, and I was looking at your background and you started off in real estate investing uh, because your dad uh, got involved once he'd retired. So tell, me, tell us a little bit about that and how, how that kind of sparked your interest in real estate. Great. Yeah. Thanks for asking. My dad, it, it was interesting. Um, you you ne you never know where life takes you. My dad was in the Canadian Armed Forces for 25 years. And so we had the great fortune. I lived all over uh, Canada and also in Europe for four years because of my dad's career in the Armed Forces. And so we ended up one day, uh, my dad was living in Ontario and so were we. And we actually ended up going to, a, a him and I went to a, a Jays baseball game. And we were talking about, and this, this will lead you to the real estate side of it, Paul, is we were talking about how many different residents we lived in by the time I was 21. And I, I had lived in 21 different rental properties in 21 years. And so you can see that, and I, I enjoyed them. I, I just thought that was 
that was life. That was normal. And to live in 21 different uh, properties. And of course, they all had landlords. And I, I just remember it always being a positive experience in my life. And so I'm not sure if that carried over for my dad. But when he left the forces, he decided to uh, make a career in real estate. And um, mm. he's a, he was a very per- personable guy, like well, well loved. He is a great guy. Anyways, he, uh, he went into real estate, did extremely well in his first year. And of course, having an army background in uh, the company he was with, they thought, you know what, this guy could can manage people. And of course, when you're in the armed forces and you move up the ranks, that's what you end up doing is managing people. And so he ended up opening the first uh, Royal Trust real estate um, branch in Edmonton and, um, and it did extremely well. I think Royal Trust got out of, uh, bought out eventually by, I, I'm not sure who, I think maybe Royal LePage or whoever, but uh, anyways, he, uh, he really enjoyed the, the life in real estate and that's what really got my, my, piqued my interest. And so from, you know, being a tenant to, to eventually being an owner of investment real estate almost seems like a natural extension or something. Right. And it's funny. I, I just I saw on Facebook just the other day in one of the real estate groups, somebody had posted something and said, how many properties have you lived in in your lifetime? Because the average is 11. So okay. you're, by 21, you're almost double the, the, the lifetime average. So um, yeah, it's, pretty, it's funny. Pretty incredible. And well, you know yeah. what? In the forces, as you moved up in seniority or in rank, you, you got to change your living conditions. And I, I don't know if a lot of people kn- knew that, but that's what happened. So you, you might have lived off base uh, in the beginning when you were at the lowest end of the rank. And then as you moved up the ranks or seniority, then you moved into what they were called. They were called PMQs, so private marital quarters. And so then you'd we called them chicken coops at the time, Paul. They were row housing, but I have fond memories of living in in that in those uh, facilities. And then we eventually moved to a du- duplex and then a single family. So that's how it kind of worked in the forces. Quite interesting. Now, now you spent twenty years plus twenty plus years in in the corporate world before really getting into real estate investing full times. What yes. what was the what was the reason for I guess a choosing that route and and uh, you know what have you learned from uh, or brought across from your corporate career into into real estate investing and running a real estate investing business? Well, I, I was very fortunate. I I, um, I I have a strong family background. My you know like uh, you know my parents uh, had always strong family values, and we we brought that into. Uh, my wife and I brought that into our family. And so I was fortunate enough to go to work for a company that was uh, a large Canadian company and also had uh, tentacles throughout the world. And they were a family owned company. And the family was very active uh, in the running of the business uh, for the first, I'm going to say, 95 years. And so it was kind of uh, interesting that the, the family ran the business. And so that appealed to me. So I, 
I just maybe happened to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, they, they encouraged, um, you know, entrepreneurship in a, in a corporate environment. And so hmm. uh, I, I just was very fortunate to be in that position and, and enjoyed it. So that allowed me to make a good living. But I also felt that um, one thing I noticed when you start working for anybody is that you have very little control over your money. And what I'm talking about is your investment money. Because, you know, we all pay into a pension program, you know, like a, a government pension program, an OAS. And, and then on top of that, you, you might get the great fortune to have a company pension. But even when you have a company pension, you're, you have no control over that. And then when you actually, let's say you have some extra money after you've paid into all of that, and you decide to put it into RSPs or TFSAs or whatever, generally you find yourself an investment advisor and you give them your money. And guess what? Again, somebody else is controlling your financial future. So I was looking for something that allowed me to have some hands-on in my own investment world. And that's how I ended up uh, in investment real estate, it seemed to me to be the only investment that you got to manage. And, you know, with, ma with management skills that I had, um, including what you, what you talk about a lot and educate people on about branding and marketing, um, I had those skills. So I just transferred them across. And, but I, I say in my book, don't give up your day job. Um, you know, people think that you can become rich overnight in real estate. And listen, some some people, you know, right now in Ontario, the market's hot, so they they've hit the um, hit the ball out of the park. But I can tell you, I bought in the Ontario market uh, back in the '90s, early '90s, and I'll take yourself back to the '90s in Ontario. It was brutal, and people didn't. You know, they bought properties and they had to ha hang on to them for about 10 years to even see any equity growth. So if you're mm. living in Ontario and you're kind of rubbing your hands together, you have to be you know, a little careful uh, that at any time the government could change, conditions contain, can change. So you just have to be aware of that. So I just felt that for me in my life, you know, having having a job and then being a real estate investor on the side just seemed to make sense. And it, and it gave me some financial freedom uh, that I hadn't anticipated. And that's it's interesting that you had that opportunity to be in a company with an entrepreneurial mindset, because that's how companies are now. They They want to be more of that kind of entrepreneurial culture. But back in the 90s, it was very, very corporate. So to have that kind of uh, different culture must have been uh, both, both, yeah, freeing, I guess, and, and interesting. And that's probably what appealed to you. Interesting. It was amazing. It was amazing to actually be able to sit down with the owners and um, have some influence on their decision making, and hmm. and them allowing you to run. Uh, you know, at that time, I was looking after Western Canada. Uh, from Thunder Bay all the way to Vancouver Island. And um, so that's a big responsibility. And yet they let me uh, run the company 
um, I don't want to say independently, but you know, it was, it was, it felt good. And what, what sort of things you mentioned marketing and sales. So what sort of things have you brought across from that time in corporate that, that you're imparting now to people that you're trying to help and also that you've used in, in your business? Uh, great question. And you know, the biggest thing for me is uh, business planning. And a lot of people, and, and, and I know you and I are going to get into discussions about branding and stuff like that. But, you know, the biggest thing is, is being able to de- develop a business plan. And, you know, when you develop a business plan, it, it, it's, it's comprehensive because, you know, you have to know where to start. And then you have to be committed to the business. And, and a lot of times people don't, don't think of investment real estate as a business, but it is definitely a business. I always tell people you need a entrepreneurial and small business mindset. And, and once you have that, then you, then you have to go about setting up your real estate business. And there's stages that you have to go through in doing that. And then it's like any business, you have to make sure you have sufficient funds available to fund your business, not only in good times, but also Mm. if things get a little rocky, how do you handle that? If your vacancies all of a sudden run more than three months or, um, you know, I'll give you a prime example. Uh, This week I got a call. You know what? I mean, I've been a in investment real estate for over 20 years. And this is the first time I've ever had this happen. We had a long-term tenant who had been our tenant since 2009. And this, this week I got a phone call. Unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, and he passed away in, the, in his home, which of course the home belongs to us. And he was a great tenant. Um, and so again, you know, so now guess what? I, it's a new experience for me because I'm going to now have to figure out, you know, you have to, you're dealing now with his family, you're dealing with his possessions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to be, um, you know, cognizant of that whole thing. So, uh, you know, you ha- there's, you know, so you have to be, you know, have to get involved emotionally a bit. And, um, and also, we, we love the tenant. So to, to have him pass away is an unfortunate thing. But again, that'll put some financial pressure on us in terms of the funding. And so those, mm-hmm. those are things you have to realize. And then, you know, as you're planning out your business plan, because that's what you're running, you're running a business, you, you know, you have to think about how do I set my operations up? You know, because you've got, you've got, to, you've got to create a team. I talk about it in my book. I, I call it Team Real. And, you know, you've got, you've got to set up a, a team. And, you know, at the very minimum, you've got to have a lawyer, an accountant. Um, some people want a bookkeeper. Um, some people, we, we have a property manager because I don't think I have the personality uh, to be a like I can't be a, one of those tough landlords. So, but we have a we have a property manager that it's a business, and you know the the rents are due on a specific date, and if if you don't meet your obligations, then you know there's consequences to that. So you have to take take all that into consideration 
that you're setting up a business. And so even if you don't manage your properties directly with the tenant, you're still managing your properties with the team. So those are things that you have to be aware of. And then to come to your point in terms of your branding, you've got to market and launch your business. Even if you have one unit or or two units, uh, or you've got 100 units, you have to market and brand uh, your business. And the last thing you have to do is it all has to be sustainable. You have to have a plan in place that takes you out because in our case, we've had, we have the strategy of long-term buy and hold. So when you're doing a I was, I was going to, I was going to ask that. Yeah. I wondered what you were doing from a, yeah. And so that's our strategy. We have a long-term buy and hold strategy, which means that sustainability and how we set up our business plan is extremely important, even from Paul financing, because we also have some joint venture partners. And when you get it, having other people involved, um, we've had some mortgages come up for renewal. And every time they come up for renewal, we sit down with our joint venture par- uh, pe- uh, partners on those properties. And we say to them, okay, uh, is your goal still the same? Is it this still a long-term buy and hold? Or do you see... You, would you like to get out at some point? And we've had a couple of our partners say, you know what, when the market in Alberta, for example, which is being a little soft, when the market picks up, we would like to bow out. So then that makes your decision on financing uh, interesting because then you, you start looking at variable versus fixed. You look at your amortization period. You look at your term period. Because all of that has to be taken into consideration as you're sustaining your business. For my wife and I, we just had one of our properties in our company come up for renewal. Well, what we did is we decided it's a long-term buy and hold. So we took a a five-year fixed rate. We could have got a variable rate a lot less expensive. Mm -hmm. But that our intention is that it's a long-term buy and hold. The amazing part, Paul, is we have a chance on that property that we took out a five-year closed mortgage, and if we add a little bit money, a little bit money to the principal over the next five years, we'll pay it off in five years, and that'll be a clear title property. So you can nice. see the the different variables coming into consideration when you're sustaining your business. And what and what I'm hearing as well is, of course, you're not just fo- you're not just uh, handling or focused on your goals, but when you're when you've got joint venture partners or maybe even other professional team members on your real team, as you call it. Yes. They also have different goals. The property manager has different goals. The lawyer has different goals. So you've got to manage that part as well. Correct. It truly, yeah. truly is like running, not just a, it's like a mini corporation, isn't it? Versus a. It, it is. And you know what? Business. I mean, when we first started, um, I always believe in real estate education. And when we first started, I joined uh, an organization and th- they were phenomenal. They, they provided real estate education and they didn't mm-hmm. sell real estate. Um, they didn't rent real estate. 
All they did is provide education. That firm is still in business today, um, and they do a great job. But one of the this things is, uh, this is sorry, this is Rain. This is Rain Canada. Yeah, that's Rain? right. So that yeah. that's right. This is Rain yeah. Canada. And one thing about Rain and don't and don't get me wrong. I, I want to encourage people that if you have aspirations to, to own multiple properties, then I think you should definitely look at joining Rain. Uh, what I found through my experience is that um, when we first joined, that's exactly what I did. I I was uh, I was I chased doors, and the way Rain works is they reward you with an award for multi at, at different levels of multiple doors, and I think that's a good thing if that's what you want to do. But at some point in my life, I realized that. Um, I didn't want to chase doors anymore. And so I didn't want to have, I, I don't need the bragging rights of telling you that I have double digit portfolio that, that disappeared several years ago, but I still think that everyone should have some form of investment real estate in their financial portfolio. And that's why I wrote my book because I really think that people should have anywhere from you know, one to three properties in their portfolio. But a lot of people come to me and they don't know how to get started. So that's why I wrote the book is that I didn't want you joining an organization or chasing doors. I wanted to say, let me show you how to, how to get into buying your first investment real estate property. And then once you've had some experience at it, then make a decision whether it's something you want to continue and buy more doors or not. So I think that leads into the question I was going to ask is, you know, what are the key, key things that people should be thinking about? If they're thinking, okay, real estate investing is something I want to do. Um, what are the key things that they should really be thinking about first and foremost? So, and that great question. So in, on day four in my book, I, I actually talk about this. Because one of the things that I'm, I'm doing, Paul, is I actually, I, I've written the book. I also wrote a, uh, an accompanying workbook and planning guide to go with the book. And, uh, and over the next month, my plan is to actually create an online course to, to support the book and the workbook and planning guide. And one of the goals I have is to actually day one to through three in my book, it's all about the seeing if you are financially in the position to even start. And if you're not in day one, two, and three, I take you through steps that get you ready. So if you're not ready um, at the end, at the end of doing day three, um, or even reading my book to the end of day three, you're going to realize, oh, I'm not ready. But Rick's Rick's providing me with the tools to get me ready. So you you may come back, you may say, I'm I don't want to go any further. And and so for me, I don't want. I'm going to come out with an introductory course of the first three days, and then you'll know whether you're ready or not. Because if you're not ready, I don't want to be taking a whole bunch of your money. I want you to take the time and get yourself ready and then come back in uh, at that mm. point. So what you need to first do 
before you do any marketing or branding is you look have to read my day four because on day four I talk about do you have the mindset because you need the mindset of an entrepreneur and a small business uh, person because if you don't have that then I, I I don't think you should go any further so you, you really have to identify you know should you are you a, a small business owner or an entrepreneur because if you're not Paul put on the brakes and no problem there. There's a lot of us that put on the brake and brakes and don't go any further. So, um, but that's what I want you but, to do. But you, but you would still encourage people to look at real estate as part of their portfolio. So if, if I'm at day four and I decide, you know, I am not into, uh, one of my clients describes it, I'm not into toilets, tenants and trash. So, you know, I just don't see myself running a business or doing that kind of thing. Right. But you could, you could still build a pocket of money and go find somebody like you or another real estate investor and say, okay, I've got 50,000, 100,000, or I've got RRSP space. I want to get into real estate investing and be a joint venture partner. So still have. And you know what? Great question. You know, I'll give you a prime example. Uh, two, two of our partners that we have, what they did is they, they never wanted to have any hands on at all. They, mm -hmm came and they gave us the money. Okay. So they, th listen to this. They, they gave us the down payment and they also gave us enough money because we needed to do renovations to bring it up to, to, to a standard that we felt it should, the property should be at. They provided all the money. We didn't put in any money except for our legal fees and the legal fees paid for two things, Paul, they paid for, of course, purchasing the property, but they also paid for a joint venture agreement, which is critical. So once you have those two elements, but they, so what in essence they did is they paid for our expertise. So absolutely, you can come into investment real estate that way where you don't want to do any of the work. You, you just want to provide an, the money and get your return that way. And so, yeah, let's absolutely. say, so let's say I've gone beyond the day four and I am, I'm in, I'm going to go for a, uh, creating a real estate investing business from a branding perspective, from a marketing perspective, what are the things that you think people should be Great focused on? Because, uh, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of shiny objects when it comes to marketing and branding. I, you know, I can, I can throw lots of shiny objects up, uh, anytime absolutely. on that. But. So first of all, you know, I always tell people I have a formula and I, I actually developed this formula from my run. I'm a runner. I, I run half marathon mm -hmm. races and I, I created this thing called ready, set goal. And so if you look at the, at my book, about 65% of the book is getting you ready. And when I started running uh, half marathon races, Paul, I had never run a race. I hadn't even run 5k. So I went and got ready. So it took me train. I had to go get training. Okay. And so I trained for a 5k, then a 10k and, and built up. And that's what people have to realize is that they, they need to get themselves ready 
and it's it's just not turning the switch on overnight. So when I say 31 days to purchasing and renting your first investment real estate property, you know, 65% of that is getting you ready before you even get into the marketing aspect. So I want to come back to your question is on day seven, I talk about what you need to look at is the type of property that that would fit you, that fits you as an individual. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'll just, I'll just buy something. No, you really have to understand who you are, what your risk level is at, and also where you are in your life. So um, I encourage, you know, nowadays, it's incredible what you could do. If I was to start all over again, um, I'd probably do my life a little differently because when, when my wife and I got married and, and we had our first child, we ran out and bought a single family home. Well, a single family home is, is, people say it's an investment. Well, it's an investment into a lifestyle, but it isn't really an investment into your investments because it's, it, you're, you're, it's all money out. It's no money in. Okay, so you're not realizing any revenue from your personal home. But if you were to start out your life and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to buy a half a dupe. I'm going to buy a duplex. And I'm going to live in the one side and I'm going to rent out the other side. So you've got, you know, one property, two doors, and you're getting revenue coming in. Or I'll give you a real life example, which is incredible. My daughter was in a relationship. She had, she had bought two properties, like homes for her to live in, for her family over several years. She ended up, with that two-story white picket fence home. And then the relationship fell apart. And luckily, uh, her partner and herself, they just divvied everything down the middle. They didn't get lawyers involved. And so they, they walked away with their equity that they had built up. But she's now a single mother with a child. And now what does she do? So she had to look at what type of home should she buy? And so she came to me and we talked about it. She ended up buying a bungalow with a separate entrance to the basement. And she put a legal income suite in the basement. Now, Paul, here's the two incredible things. It cost her $33,000 to put a legal suite in the basement. Now, remember, there were some things that were done down there already. So it could have been a little higher, but she she was lucky. There was some some development done, but it cost her thirty three thousand dollars to put in the the suite. And what was unbelievable about this at the time, and there's lots of municipal governments that do this, they gave her a grant. So the city of Saint Albert, where she lives, gave her a grant of fifteen thousand dollars to put the suite in her basement. And if she kept it in the program, a rental program for five years, they would forgive the $15,000. So think about that. She put in 33, they gave her 15. Now you might say, well, did they control the rents? They did, but they were reasonable about it. 
So she rented her basement suite out for $1,100. Okay. You say, well, that's great. But here's the kicker. Guess what her mortgage payment was, Paul? I'll tell you. It was $1,500. So when she got the rent for $1,100 and her her mortgage payment was $1,500, she only had to put in $400, okay, to make her mortgage payment. So think about this. Now she's a single career woman with a child. And all she has to do is take $400 out of her own pocket to make her, her mortgage payment. So I remember her coming to me and saying, dad, five years, that's a long time. Do you know what? After the five years, she came to me and she said, dad, that five years went by in a blur. I can't believe it. And Paul, during that time, she went on to meet another uh, fella and they got married and at, at that point, they didn't need to do that, but she does have a legal suite in her home. And so that's what I would encourage people to do is look at the opportunities that you can take, take advantage of um, like that or when you buy a property. But, you, you know, you have to give some give and take. There's some uh, lifestyle give because you may have to share your backyard or you may have to share the driveway um, for a while. So those that's are a very, that's a very that's a very good point. That's a very good point. I think people might forget to consider. Yeah. That so you so that's what I'm saying is you need to look at what type of property you're going to buy, and once you do that, then you can start talking about building your brand. Right. Because you have to know your product first, and I think a lot of times, so that's all I encourage people to do. Paul, is they need to know, first of all, am am I an entrepreneur or a small business? Do I have that mindset? Second of all, what type of property do I think works for my life, like investment property? And and once you answer that question, then if you go to day 25 in my book, that's when I start talking about branding and marketing. So you have to, so you can see, you've got to go through 24 days in my book before you get to marketing and branding, which is critical to your business, but you need to answer a whole bunch of other things before you get to the, the very, marketing. Very much like building a house, very much like building a house. So you're putting in a lot of foundation work before you yes. put the roof on or put in the nice windows or the nice front door, right? Right, right. And what, and what about joint venture partners? And, and because once people get into real estate investing, if they reach a certain point, they may not have the money themselves to be able to continue to build their portfolio. Uh, what are the things that you suggest people should be looking at in terms of building relationships or attracting joint venture? Or even, I don't know if you're seeing it in Alberta, but you mentioned Ontario's market at the moment is so hot. I mean, it's it's kind of, kind of gone a little bit crazy, but... Right. What it means is that there's a lot of people running around chasing off-market properties. Right. Um, and and there's, it's very difficult for people even to find something that, when you look at the, the numbers, whether it even makes sense. Right, right. And, that, and, you know, I even talk about that in my book. You know what? Most of the investment properties we own aren't even in our own, our, in our own city because mm-hmm. it's, it's too expensive. The, the city I've cho- uh, chosen to live in is too expensive for the most part 
to buy investment real estate property. So we, we just don't own in our own city. And so I would encourage anybody in Ontario um, to look outside their own backyard. Maybe, maybe Ontario has gotten so silly that the, to your point, the numbers no longer make any sense. You cannot no longer positive cash flow. And if you can no longer positive cash flow, oh, like it, you have to be, it can get dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm certainly seeing or hearing people where they're talking, you know, positive cash flow is 50 or or $100 a month. And I'm kind of going, well, that's not a lot of margin. To your point earlier, somebody's, va- you're suddenly three months vacancy and bam, you're, you know, you're in a lot of, you what? could be in a hole. Paul, I, again, I can tell you an, a story from my own personal experience. I had a joint venture partner, great guy, awesome guy. And we had several joint venture pro- properties together. And I, and he was, he, I thought he was a great business person. Only thing is, he decided that he wanted to chase doors. So he got 20, he, he, he got, tw- he bought 26 doors. He became the rookie of a year in this in this investment organization we belong to. He was the rookie of the year. He was positive cash flowing $200 a month. You might say, wow, Rick, that's like $5,200. Well, Paul, you know what? He ended up setting up an office. He ended up getting a Land Rover. And before you know it, the $5,200 was not covering his, his personal nut. And then what ended up happening is he had to start liquidating his portfolio. And eventually he came to us. Now we had a joint venture agreement in place for all our properties, but we ended up having to buy him out of every property that we had with him because he could no longer afford to uh, stay a partner in, in the properties. So to your point, you have to be very careful that, you know, $200 or $100 to $200 might sound reasonable, but that's why I say don't give up your day job because it's just not enough to pay in the beginning. Now, Paul, listen, I was, I was mentioning earlier, we just refinanced a, a, a property that we'll pay off in five years. Then that's when that's when the rubber really meets the road in terms of return because we will no longer have the mortgage payment. Now listen, we're going to have the other costs associated because you know we're still going to have the condo fees, we're still going to have the property taxes, um, so we're certainly going to still have some some costs, but it'll only be about half of what our rent will be. So the other half will be uh, income for us. But it took us a while to and, get there. And your story around the joint venture is probably kind of underlines that when you're looking to attract joint venture partners or your marketing or branding, it's almost as important to say, this is what I don't want in a joint venture partner. Right. And whether you, whether you position that in your, you know, are you looking for this, 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 and this, and you almost include in that is the getting people to exclude themselves so that you're attracting the right type of joint venture partner with the right similar mindset, et cetera, versus, you know, as you say, somebody that wants to be in the long term versus somebody chasing doors and thinking two hundred dollars right. is so so true. So true. 
And, you know, I mean, like you said, we're, you know, we're seeing this in Ontario where the, the, the values are going up so high that trying to make, um, trying to make positive cash flow is becoming more difficult. So that's why I encourage people. So just so the, so if anybody's listening from Ontario and you're saying, well, oh my God, he's scaring me out of the Ontario market. I'm not trying to scare you out of the Ontario market, but you have to look at, first of all, look at all of Ontario. So are there still some towns and cities that it makes sense to take your money and you can positive cash flow in those, in those towns or cities? It might be two or three or 500 or a thousand kilometers away from you. But if it makes financial sense, then I'd encourage you to do that or look into other markets within Canada, Mm -hmm. the United States, um, just have a look around and see the fundament, just watch the fundamentals of investing. Right. Good, good point. So we talked about your mantra and we talked about the, you know, the book and the program what did you feel? Because as, as as you rightly point out, there's a lot of education out there. There's a lot of books out there. What what did you feel that was missing that drove you to invest all this time and and effort and resources into creating this book and and not just a book, but an accompanying book and 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 program? What what was missing for you in the marketplace? The the basics. Uh, like I said, what I found is that most books, even when you pick up a real estate book, a lot of times they'll put million, the, you know, millionaire on there. And so that, that's the hook. That's what gets you to come in. But at the end of the day, I just want people to understand that I believe that investment uh, real estate should be part of your financial portfolio, but not all of your financial portfolio. And that it it takes it takes years uh, in a lot of cases, in most cases, Paul, for someone to uh, earn enough money to actually then take it on as their career. Now you might say, yeah, but I've heard of investors making it a career within the first three or five years. You have to look at what they're doing, and I would suggest to you that maybe they're flipping. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how they're making their money. They're certainly not making it from long-term buy and hold. I can't see how someone, uh, first starting out is going to make enough revenue from two or three properties to then say, oh, I can give up my corporate job and, uh, become a full-time real estate investor. I, I, I'm, you know, I would say it's few and far between. Right. Okay, so we'll we'll make sure we'll um, put links to the program and the book in in the show notes so that people can access that and thank and, you uh, get get all the great information there. I've got some final kind of favorite questions that I have. So absolutely, uh, favorite favorite brand and and why? Um, Apple, and just because of the infrastructure. You know what? It could be Microsoft, but I just chose Apple as my my brand of choice and you know so if if you could see my desk you'd see uh, we're talking on my mac uh <laughs> my laptop i've got a ipad here i've got my iphone 12 there and i've got my desktop right here 
So I certainly have the infrastructure and everything that goes along you, with it. You, you and me both. So, <laughs> except I need, I need to up, I need to upgrade to the twelve because I was talking with uh, somebody just the other day, and they were they were on the phone using their twelve, and the quality of the picture was just phenomenal. I was, uh, I was blown away. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm a big now. A you big know what, Apple Paul? Fan. I waited six mm. years to go from. Uh, from a from a six, and I I went to the Pro Max with the right. with the with the with the bigger screen too. So right. I I encourage people to do that also. Uh, okay. Don't be afraid of the bigger screen. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about recommended business book apart from yours? Uh, recommended business book or podcast that you? Uh, great question. I right. You know what? It's interesting that. If you asked me that question a couple of months ago, I would have told you something different. Right now, for me, my next my next goal to support my book and my workbook and planning guide is to uh, develop an online course. So I'm reading a book right now, great book. It's called Conquering the Content, because as you know, mm. Paul, being uh, in in the business, I mean, there's a lot of content that you can put out there. Uh, so how do you conquer that? And the subtitle of the book is Online Course uh, Design and Development. So mm. I, that's where I need to focus next, and I need to keep it focused. And that's the nice thing about this book. It has helped me immensely. I've actually even changed the um, my workbook a bit based on this reading the uh, conquering the content and the author by the way is Robin Smith and she's a professor out of um, I think in South Carolina or North Carolina but very good book hmm. very okay good book. I'm, I've just made I've made a note so I'm always looking for good books on on marketing and branding uh, current tool or resource that you're enjoying using so again comes back to where I am in this point in my life. So now I have to develop a online course. And so again, I don't want, I'm not a, a, a computer whiz or genius or any of that. So I, I'm look, I looked around for a learning management system that I could, mm -hmm. that would support my online course. And I uh, decided on, it's called Thinkific. Uh, you can go to thinkific.com and they uh, help you create online courses. Great, great Canadian a, company. The way, they they just... have a free platform so you can take it out for a uh, test spin for a year or two years or whatever before you ever get into the paid version. Right. And it's Canadian, isn't it? They're uh, Vancouver. They are. They're out of Vancouver yeah. and they just did a, uh, they actually just went public after. Yeah. 10 or 15 yeah. years. Yeah, I missed it. I was I was kind of tempted. I, I came across the news too late, though. But uh, Right. Okay. And uh, final question. Uh, favorite quote? You know what? I, s some of my favorite quotes of all time, if you want to, you, you could probably just get all your quotes from one resource. Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein said, failure is success in progress. Failure is success in progress. And you know what? If I told you how many mistakes I've made along the way, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I call my, my company Vault to Investment Real Estate Success. 
Um, success is important, but it's, it's a long journey. Success isn't overnight. Right. That's a great quote. I love that. And I think you're, you've, you know, everything that you've shared today kind of underlines exactly that. You, you shared some great stories, some great insights, and some great advice. Uh, specifically, you know, most of it, I'm sure, based on tough lessons and, and failures that, you know, were another step towards that success. So congratulations. And that, that's why I love your show, Paul. I, I, you know, like I said to you earlier when we were talking um, before the, 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 uh, uh, the, you started recording is, you know, what you're doing is just fantastic to, to share the, the whole idea behind branding and for people to understand, uh, you know, you're building a business and whether it's your personal brand, because a lot of times a real estate investor, you may, you may never incorporate. And so you're building your own personal brand. But who are you? What do you stand for? And those are all the questions and, and some of the guests you brought on that help people answer that. So I, I, hats off to you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Rick. Uh, good luck with the uh, the book. So, uh, final thing: where can people get high, hold of you? Uh, website to go to, or what's the best way to get hold of you? So they can go to vault to investment real estate dot com. So it's the word vault and the word two. A lot of times people put a single T in, but it's actually vault to investment real estate dot com. When they go there, they're going to find. Uh, right now, I'm focusing on the launch of my book. My, bo- my book and my workbook, actually, and it will launch. Uh, it, it's currently available, so you can pre-order my book on Amazon. And mm-hmm. um, there's a link to the Amazon, my Amazon page, right on my website. And I'm launching the book, actually, on August the 19th, but you can pre-order it now. Um, so uh, I'd love to support anybody listening that thinks that investment real estate is for them. And they just would like to know how to get started. Um, yeah. Just well, um, I think it's a, I think it's a great book. Um, uh, you. you know, I'm, I'm thinking already, you know, that's, that's something I'm going to give my 21 year old and well, my 18 year old you know, at some point. What I'm trying to do um, too with my website is I'm working on uh, adding some um, mortgage calculators which probably within the next two or three weeks, I'm trying to be a one-stop shop. Um, I'm trying to add value and give, give, give people a start, but on the same token, I mean, there will be some gated uh, material. And I think I I hope everybody understands that, you know what? I'm happy to share as much as I can, but at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to run a business and, and um, you know, uh, I, I think, if anybody goes to my website and purchases the book, it's only nine ninety nine, and right. I mean, really, for less than two lattes at uh, Starbucks, you can <laughs> you can get a book that'll last you forever. So, right, very good point. Very good point. Well, thank you, Rick, and uh, good luck with the the book launch and uh, and everything else that you got associated with it. Terrific, and thanks again, Paul, for having me on as a guest. You're welcome. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.